Good morning. I am glad to see you this morning. I missed you guys last month because I, or two weeks ago, I was on a little vacation, but I get to be here with you today. We are actually finishing a series today called Fight Club. Uh, this has been, wow, some kind of series. In fact, I, I continually told Cole at, before we got into this series, I had to do several months of homework in my own life just to be able to get to the point where I could teach some of this stuff. I, I am so excited that you're here as we wrap up this series. If you missed any one of the previous weeks, I would just encourage you to jump onto our old Facebook Live broadcast, or you can go to soundcloud.com and you can look up our teachings from there. Um, I hope that you will catch up on weeks one, two, and three. They were super important. We have been learning how to fight Jesus style, learning how to fight Jesus style. But before we could begin this whole process, we had to find out what are the rules of the fight club that belongs to Jesus. And really, we needed to know the rule. There was really a number one rule, which we discussed in week number one, and that is this, love your Enemies. That's rule number one. And what kind of fight club is that, right? Yeah, rule number one. And not only to love your enemies, but we also found this out. You also have to pray for those who persecute you. So you have to pray for the good of those who have maybe done you wrong. Wow, that is not easy. That is not natural. And that is certainly not intuitive. And you now understand part of why, if this is your first Sunday with us in this series, why I had three months worth of homework to do before I could get up here this morning and for any of the teachings of this series. Come on, this goes against absolutely everything that is more natural to us as humans. This goes against everything about how I understand the world and how I function in the world. It is upside down. But let's be honest, that's kind of the point, right? If we're following Jesus, it is going to be upside down. But this process that we're talking about is so, so difficult, which is really why for most of us, if you're anything like me, um, we don't really love our enemies. As Christians, if you're anything like me, we're better at faking it. I mean, we make things look great on the outside, but on the inside, if you're anything like me, we get angry, and if left undealt with, that anger then becomes bitterness. Wow, that bitterness becomes all-consuming in our lives. It becomes really the easiest foothold for the evil one to have in our life when we have bitterness. Because bitterness, that anger, it really can destroy. But we're told this, we're told there is a solution, according to Paul. There's an answer. There is a way to combat this anger and this bitterness. There's a way to move beyond the effects that the past has had on us. And it involves the F word, and that is forgiveness. It is a big, big deal because forgiveness frees us from the bitterness and from the effects of whatever has happened in the past. However, that enemy has hurt you and hurt me in the past. Forgiveness is the way out of that, that bitterness. But the question is how? And that's what you probably want to know, right? How do we actually do that? I mean, the last two weeks, we just spent kind of setting up the idea and the need for forgiveness and the power that forgiveness can have in your life. And we talked about what it is and who gets it and why. But here's the question that remains. How do we actually forgive somebody? How do we actually do that thing that is opposite of what our natural instinct says that we want to do, which is to get even, to get revenge. So if that is what you want to know, that may be possibly why you're here today. Or on some level, maybe possibly, ultimately that's maybe why we're all here today, because we know that something inside of our life is not quite right. 
We fall into several different categories as to why we would come to church or why we might prioritize coming together in a group like this called the church. Why we might say that this is significant to us, important to us, or it might define why we say, no, no, this is not important to me. For some of us, like me, um, we just kind of grew up going to church. Our parents had us at church all the time, and that you may be like me. So it really has become, since I was a child, one of those uh, first thing habits that we've talked about this year. So maybe that's you. Or some of us might be here today because we have a heap load of guilt over something or some things in our lives, and we're thinking just maybe I can find some relief. Or maybe you're here today because literally you were drugged here. Now, hopefully they didn't drug you and bring you, but they dragged you here. If you're a kid today, maybe your parents dragged you here. You didn't have a choice. Or maybe a girlfriend dragged you or a boyfriend dragged you or maybe a wife dragged you or a husband dragged you or maybe you're friends with somebody and they promised you lunch afterwards and they got you here. Well, we just want to say no matter how you got here today, we are glad you're here. And I promise you this, we're not going to put you on the spot. We're not going to call you out, single you out, embarrass you. You're not going to have to do something or wonder, am I supposed to stand or sit or do this or that? All that's off. You're in a safe place today. We're glad you're here. But there's more to the story because we feel like most of us today in our lives feel like there's something that's just not quite right. Something that maybe is out of balance and we have this hope that just maybe a group of people like this called a church, that just maybe they've got some answers that I need. Maybe that book that they talk about so often and that they teach from, maybe there's something in there that can help me understand why I feel out of balance in this life. Because I think it might be true. Again, if you're anything like me, there are moments in our lives where we just feel off. Sometimes we could describe it as we feel just kind of sick inside, or we feel out of balance, we feel off, we feel just like something is not just right the way it should be. We feel like maybe there's just something missing. And I promise you, that's not a coincidence. That's not something this morning that you are imagining because I personally believe that is real. That is that feeling is real and, and what is happening inside of you, that, that's real. Because I do believe in our human lives, there is something off. There is something missing. There is something that's not just quite right. And I have found that to be true for myself. So I'm hoping I'm not alone in that. It might be true for you as well. And so I guess my question would be as we begin this morning, my question would be, do you perhaps, like me, want to begin that process of getting well, of getting better? Because Jesus and what we find in his new covenant, New Testament, we find that forgiveness is a big part of that process. In fact, we're going to look at one of the most well-known passages this morning, just as a springboard into our topic, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. And we're going to notice something very, very interesting concerning forgiveness. So not only interesting, but as we read this and we think about what is actually being said, we probably are going to find this just a little bit scary and a little bit convicting in our lives. So these are the words of Jesus himself, and I, I want to uh, read these to you. McKinley's going to have them on the screen for you. And so we call this section of scripture the Lord's Prayer, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It goes like this. Pray like this. This is what Jesus said. So he's talking to them, teaching them how to pray. And here he goes. Our Father in heaven, may your kingdom be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us, this, this, uh, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those 
who sin against us. Did you catch that? The Lord's Prayer ends with Jesus stating, okay, God, I want you to forgive me as I have forgiven others. Uh, whoa, Jesus, is that right? I mean, are, are, are you sure, Jesus? Because that's a little harsh. Jesus, you mean to tell me that I should pray to God and say, God, will you take the standard of forgiveness that I use for the people who have hurt me, and will you take that standard, God, and as you look at my life, will you use my standard against me? Will you apply my standard against me for my life? And if that wasn't enough to crush your life and thoughts in this moment as it does me, if that was not enough, Jesus goes on and explains this further. And here's what he says next. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But, and this is a big but, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Oh, wow. Now we've made this statement numerous times in this series, and I just want to make sure that this hasn't been missed. Because apparently forgiveness is really, really important to God. I mean, forgiveness seems to be at the hub, at the center of living a Christ-following life. But again, what is the process of forgiveness? How does forgiveness actually take place? Because it's more than a word. And we're told that we must forgive, but we're not really told in Scripture how to forgive. So I guess maybe the place to start is simply just by following the example of Jesus as we get going this morning. You know, the one that we're supposed to be following. What did Jesus do? Well, for me, he canceled my debt. That's what he did. So we are to forgive as Jesus forgives, which means the debt needs to be canceled. The debt that somebody owes me, forgiveness means I'm going to cancel that debt. And here's what Paul had to say. We talked about this last week, and I just want to use this again to help us understand where we're going today. Paul said, here's a picture of forgiveness, the way it relates to you and Jesus. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So here's what happened. This is what I said in Malvern. I said, these are all IOUs right here. And they're IOUs in the, in the form of someone commits a hurt toward me. They've sinned against me or they've hurt me. I can write them out an IOU. So I've got a bunch of IOUs here, and I've got names down, and, and in that, then I've got, here's what you did, here's what they did, and I write out an IOU, and here's what I'm saying. It's their IOU, but I hold it for them, and it says, you owe me. You owe me because you have hurt me, you injured me, you harmed me, you owe me. And here's what Paul is saying. You were dead in your sins. These are your sins. And Jesus, every time you sin, God, every time you sin, he writes out an IOU on your behalf saying, you are indebted to me because you have hurt me through sin. You've hurt me. And he writes out an IOU, puts your name on it, puts your offense, and in my case, puts my name on it, puts my offense, just like I have a stack of IOUs here for other people who have hurt me. And he has done that for you. And he's done that for me. He has a stack of IOUs for you. And here's what Paul is saying. That you were dead 
because of these IOUs that you owe God. You were dead because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, he says. Then, he says, he goes on, then God made you alive in Christ and forgave all your sins. So somehow he took all the sins that he was holding against you, all the IOUs on your account, and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I'm going to take these away. And here's how Paul describes that, because we talked about this last week. And we use this word forgave. So he, then God, uh, it says, made you alive in Christ, he forgave. So what does that word forgive? It, it, it is a banking financial institution term. You had a debt that you owed God, and he said he's going to forgive it. And here's what this means. Here's how that works. The very next verse, verse 14. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations, which said, here's the certificate of debt. This is yours. Your name's on it. This is mine. My name's on it. And here's what I have done to offend God. And, and, and now the obligation is I must repay God to pay this debt. In verse 14, Paul says, huh? he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us, that was opposed to us, and he has taken it out of the way. He took my debt, your debt, took it out of the way, and it says by, here's how he did it, here's how he forgave it, by nailing it to the cross. And I've been forgiven. And this debt, I could just throw it up. I could have a note-burning party. It's gone, according to Jesus. And also according to Jesus, that means we too must forgive as we have been forgiving. Whatever I owe you, whatever debt I have written out for whomever has hurt me or harmed me, Jesus says, I as a follower of Jesus, if you're not following Jesus, hey, you're, you're off scot-free. You don't have to do any of this. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he said, you've got to cancel that debt. And it's every one of these. Listen, it is a legitimate debt. They really do owe me. And the IOUs that you have, that you're holding, that you've written out for other people in your life, listen, it is legitimate. They really do honestly owe you. It is a legitimate debt. But here's the picture for us. Forgiveness, it always begins with a decision. It begins with an act of the will. It begins with me choosing to do something with these that I don't feel like doing, that I don't want to do. And for some of us, I can't emphasize this enough. This may be a very long process. We do not pretend to think that what we have talked about the past three weeks and what we're talking about today, we don't pretend to think that when you go home today, that this will be a closed book. No, this is a process. And for some of us, depending on what the debt is that someone owes you, for some of us, this may go be a process that goes on for years. It's a process. And Jesus is really telling us, I believe, jump into the process. It's a process of working toward releasing, working toward releasing the other person from the debt that they owe us. But that's not all. Because forgiveness is also a process of freeing us from the emotional effects of what that person did to us. Now, this is huge. 
If you've been tuned out, and I understand because there's something about me that puts people to sleep. So so if you've tuned out, please uh, pay attention for just a moment here. Forgiveness is the process of forgiving the fact of what they did to me, but also forgiving the impact of what they did. And I am so thankful to a counselor named Jim Cress who helped me understand this more. Because all of you know, our emotions, they are going to come back up after we have attempted or we did forgive somebody. We're going to still then days later, uh, weeks later, some emotions are going to come back related to that. And we are going to want to, when we get that emotion again, We are going to want to take a blank IOU and our pen, and we are going to want to write them because we thought we forgave it, right? But then suddenly something happens, and an emotion related to that event, how they hurt us, comes back, and we're going to want to write them out again, another IOU. And we're like, wait a minute, I thought I forgave that. But apparently, maybe we're thinking, well, maybe, maybe I didn't. And we haven't, before we know it, we're holding another IOU. Let me see if I can help you understand this process. Let's say uh, I've got some blank ones here on standby just in case someone hurts me today. <laughs> I'll put those over there. Might need them later. So let's say. Um, Let's say you have a very valuable family heirloom and I come over to your house and I pick it up, I'm looking at it and I drop it and I break it. It shatters into hundreds of pieces and it is literally, it can't be repaired, shattered, it's broken. I broke that. It was yours. It was valuable. Family heirloom. You can't replace it. It's in a hundred pieces. Cannot be put back together. And now it, it has to go in the trash. There's nothing you can do with it. And now it's probably somewhere in the city dump. And let's say you finally come to the place where you can... You wrote me out an IOU. You may not have even told me about it. And I may have even said, hey, I'm sorry. I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry. But I can't replace it. There's nothing I I can't replace. And you maybe, without telling me, wrote out an IOU. Harley owes me. He, 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 it's, you can't replace it. He owes me. He owes me a debt. And let's say you work through that grief process and you get to the point where you say, okay, I think, I'm ready. I think I can forgive Harley for that. You may not even tell me that. I may not even know you have that, but you, you do, you, you forgive me and you lay that aside. And so the process, I'm forgiven. But then a few weeks later, maybe a month later, could be a year later, you're walking by your mantle and you look up and you see that space where where that family heirloom was and you realize it's gone and and it's never coming back. And once again, you are flooded with emotion and loss as if it had just happened. That's, I mean, you're feeling this, the sadness. Because of that, as you are once again flooded with emotion, you grab another IOU and you put my name on it and the offense that you thought was forgiven and you add it, you say, Harley owes me again. And you write it out again. And here's here's what's going on with that. You're irritated. You feel the loss all over again. You're hurting all over again. You forgave the fact. You forgave the fact that I broke the heirloom. But there's a lasting impact. 
So we have to forgive the fact, but more than likely, over and over again, for some period of time, we will continually forgive the impact of what happened. See, forgiveness is in two parts. Part one is forgiving the fact, but part two, equally important, just as important as part two is I've got to forgive the impact. And this forgiving of the impact is ongoing. It goes on and it recurs and it comes back and it's ongoing. It goes on and on and on until one day finally it does subside and it does go away. It's the process of forgiveness. Until over time, as you continue, as it comes up, you continue to forgive the impact of what happened Eventually, one day, it will be a closed book, a closed account. And let's not remove the fact in this that you and I are humans. We are not Jesus. We don't have an element in our lives that is fully, completely God. That's not us. We are fully, completely human. But we are forgiving as humans, and that happens through God's power as we try to forgive like Jesus forgave us. And we can understand that through research, we can discover, and we're going to talk about it today, a way that we can experience forgiveness and walk down that path of forgiveness as we try to follow Jesus. But I do want to be clear as we move into this next section of the teaching, I do want to be clear, this is not the only way to forgive people. I just want to help you because, and to help me, because we've talked about this for three weeks, but we haven't actually told you or helped you to understand how you can forgive somebody and cancel these debts. So we're going to lean hard into what some, some counselors have taught. These are some God-loving, Christ-loving, Christ-following counselors and we're going to kind of lean into this to help us understand because the New Testament doesn't really tell us how to forgive. It just tells us to forgive. So again, this is not the only way to do this, but we wanted to not end this series before we told you at least a way to help you begin that process of forgiving. Now, most of this information we're talking about today, and a lot of it last week, comes from some counselors, Dr. David Stoop. It comes from a counselor, Jim Cress, and there's some others as well. <clears throat> and I would just encourage you this. We're going to go through a lot of little, uh, little small steps, next steps. And I would encourage you, if you're anything like me, you want to remember this. But by the time you leave here today, you probably won't because it's a lot of information. So we encourage people to take a picture of the screen. When some things come up on the screen that you want to remember, have your camera ready it won't need a flash. It'll, it'll grab the screen. You'll be able to grab it. But just take a picture of the screen with the words. It's not the big ugly guy that you need a picture of. It's going to be the words that are going to be down here below. So just have that ready in case you want to take some pictures so that you can have some of this information. So here's the first thing that counselors tell us to do if we're going to let go of these IOUs, this debt. The first thing is this, recognize the injury recognize the fact an offense has occurred you might even consider writing those down person by person offense by offense consider making a list as complete as possible if you're going to forgive it you need to understand exactly what you are forgiving so write down the offense here's the next thing you need to identify some of the emotions that you have that you that are involved with the impact. So not only was there the fact of what happened to you, but there's an impact. In other words, there's some emotional loss, some feelings attached, the hurt that's attached. What is the impact? What 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 how is that impacting you? I would encourage you to write that down as well. Potentially a wide range of impact, of, of injury, of feelings, of fear and guilt and shame and anger and, and, and loss. 
loss of innocence for some of you, uh, embarrassment it might have caused you. And after you write those things down, here's the next thing. Counselors tell us that we then need to grieve what was lost. And we can do that, they encourage, by expressing that hurt and anger that we have over the offense. Now, don't miss this. It is okay. And and I believe, really, we must grieve what was lost. Grieve what was taken from you. Counselor kind of described it like this. He said, if, if there's poison in your stomach, just identifying what the poison is, that's not enough. So just making a list of what the hurt is, that's not enough. Identifying it's not enough. We have to actually begin the process of getting that poison out of our lives. And that's why we have to express it. In fact, that phrase express actually means to press it out, to squeeze it out like you're squeezing juice out of an orange, to squeeze it out, to express that poison out of your life so that it doesn't continue to poison you. See, we have a tendency as Christians to pretend like it's okay, to pretend like we've dealt with it, but yet on the inside, it's still there. And the counselors are saying, no, 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 you got to squeeze that out, get that out. And that expression can take many forms. I'm just going to run through some very quickly. Getting that, that hurt out, expressing that hurt, that anger, frustration could happen like this. Maybe you need to write down those feelings on a piece of paper and then share that with a trusted, growing, Christ-following friend. Or maybe you need to write out a letter to the person who hurt you, but please, please do not mail it. It is to help you express it and then share that with a trusted, Christ-following friend. Maybe you are not a writer, but maybe you're a talker. And so maybe you need to set a chair down beside you and you need to talk to an empty chair with a Christ-following, Christ-loving person sitting beside you through that process. And you just express that to them who's not really there in a chair. There are many different ways. I'm sure there's a hundred more. But those are just some ideas that some counselors have said, hey, that this could help. And again, why are we giving you this such practical information? And here's why. Because we don't find the process of how to forgive somebody in the new covenant. We're just told we need to do it. So here's the next thing, though. After we express that anger, that hurt, that frustration, we need to know this. Set boundaries in your life to protect yourself. It's okay. You do not have to get close enough to that person again in the near future or the distant future, depending on what has gone on and what has happened. You don't have to get close enough to that person again for them to take out another debt. You don't have to. You see, God forgives, and we're told that God remembers no longer. Now, does God forget? I I don't know if he forgets. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to talk about that. But here's what I will say. We do know this for sure. We do understand when it says he remembers no longer, he's, he, we do know this, that he does not remember that sin once forgiven against you any longer. We do know that. We do know that for sure. But for us, when we forgive, okay, so we need to replicate that. We won't remember that against them, hold that against them any longer. That's what it means to cancel the debt. But we won't forget. In fact, it's actually dangerous for us to forget about the debt. We don't hold it against them any longer, but it might be dangerous for us to forget that the the potential of that person to harm us. In fact, forgetting that might be unsafe for us. Because they could become in our debt again and take something from us again. We need to be careful that we don't forget that potential. But as we remember 
what has been done to us and what has hurt us and how we were hurt, we need to understand this. This is, this is important, that memories are not totally reliable. It's true that our minds can create some things that never actually happened. We can create some sentences, we can create some conversations, some words, some actions that didn't really actually happen that way. That is possible. Our mind can add to a memory something that didn't happen. Our, our healing from these hurts really need to be built upon what we know for certain. And there may be some things in your life, you may have a stack of IOUs from growing up as a child, and you may need to get with an older sibling, someone who is very close to you and your family to help you understand and work through some of these things so you can understand what actually happened as you write this down. But here's that last step, or the next step in this, and it's to actually forgive. To make a conscious choice to choose to release that person from this debt that they owe me, that they owe you. And we don't have to look far. If we just look at Jesus upon the cross, where he's carrying the debt, all of mine, all of yours, and the debt of the entire world. And then, if that were not bad enough, then the humiliation and the insults that were being heaped upon him as he is releasing the world from these debts. And Jesus looks toward his Father in heaven and says, Father, forgive them. Now we have to admit, this is not a tidy, easy process. This forgiveness of debt is going to be messy, and it's going to be difficult. And so we want to offer you some suggestions. I, I, I want to give you a, a couple of books as some resources that will walk you through. And a lot of this is where we pulled from for to help us understand as we were teaching. And so here's the first one. David Stoop wrote two books I would encourage you to read. One is Forgiving the Unforgivable. And he also wrote a book called Forgiving Our Parents, Forgiving Ourselves. If you have had a, a hard upbringing as a child, um, it's an amazing book. Amazing book. But both of those books. Then there's another one. Do we have it on the screen too? I, I didn't check. Yeah. Uh, this is the lady from Proverbs 31 Ministry. And she wrote a book called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And that would also be a good book. And these are resources that have helped me uh, as we've put this series together. And I, I do believe that they would help you as well. Because that's what we want, right? Isn't it? Ultimately, we want help. We, we know that on this earth, that something's wrong. Something's wrong and we want it to be better. And as we close this series, uh, we're going to share with you the most practical thing that we have ever shared before, and especially related to forgiveness. We're going to walk you through what this counselor, Jim Crest, says. Here is the way he walks his clients through forgiving. And we're going to tell you what that is. But before we get there, I want to do as he did, and I, I want to point you toward and, and, and have your attention drawn to, uh, to Jesus and something that Jesus said. So I want to read this to you. These are the words of Jesus. When Jesus saw him, this was someone who had been crippled um, for most of their life. And now he was uh, a middle-aged adult, maybe. When Jesus saw the man, he knew he had been ill for a long time. And he asked him, would you like to get well? And our immediate thought would be, yeah, well, certainly he, he wants to get well, Jesus. Why would you ask him that?
And here's what I think. I, I believe that not only is he asking that man that, but I believe today that question applies to us as well. And if there's something off in our lives, if we have a stack of IOUs where people are indebted to us because they have hurt us, I believe Jesus could ask us the very same question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I think he's asking us that right now. Do you want to be healed from all the hurt that is represented in these IOUs? And if the answer is yes, then there's something we have to do in order to participate with God in getting well. And forgiveness is that path to healing. And I'm sorry that the, I, I wish the new covenant had step one, step two, step three. Here is how you forgive. But it doesn't. So, the best we can do is learn from what Jesus did for us. And Jesus canceled our debt and he carried it away. And we're told he did that by nailing it to the cross. And so, how can we do that in our lives? today. So what about you? Do you want to be healed? And so while we don't have access to step one, step two, step three, we do have access to some amazing counselors, one of those being Jim Cress, who gives us a process. And so here's that process that I want to walk you through very quickly as we, as we end this teaching and as we end this series. This process does not start with forgiveness, but it actually starts with the hurt. And so here's what I would encourage you to do. Here, so if you want to know, how do I forgive? This is a process that you could do. There, I'm sure there are many others. This is one. And this is what one that I have used. I would encourage you to take a stack of cards, or you could take sticky notes. And so I've got a bunch of sticky notes up here. You could take a stack of sticky notes. And on that note, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write out one offense, put that person's name. This is, let, let's deal with one person at a time probably here. Write their name down. And here's the offense. Write it out, a very specific offense. Here's, here's what I took out that IOU for, what they, here's for. Here's the offense. And write it out. Very much kind of like what I was talking about with the IOUs. Okay, write it out. Write out the fact. Here's what they did. And write out the impact. Here is what it did to me. Write out the fact. Write out the impact. Then I would encourage you to just lay it down on the floor. Lay it where you can see it. Go to the next one. Fact and impact. Lay it down. Fact and impact. Lay it down. Lay it down. Just however many, however long it takes, lay it down. However many stacks you need against that person, lay it out. Lay it all out. Here's the next thing. Share all of that with a trusted, growing, Christ-following friend. And here's why that's important. Because this is part of expressing that poison of bitterness out of your system, out of your life, out of your stomach. And so you share each one of those with a trusted Christ-following person. Each one, because here's what you need. That person who's listening, you need to hear them say, I believe you. I believe that you that person hurt you and that you are hurt. I believe that that really happened. You didn't just make this up. I believe you've been hurt. And you need to hear, and I think that other person should say that you need to hear that other person say, if no one else in your life ever says, I'm sorry for all of that mess, I want to say it to you. It is real, and that should not have happened. And I am sorry that that happened to you. I want to pause here for a moment. It might appear on the surface that the, the offending person where all those notes are and you're reading all of those hurts, 
it appears that that offending person is getting off scot-free. But I want to promise you, according to the new covenant, sin is a package deal. The pleasure of whatever happened where they hurt you is always tied to consequences. And even if we don't see those consequences, there will always be consequences because it is a spiritual law and God's spiritual laws don't get broken. God put it in place. It's going to happen. But I also want you to know this, forgiving that person for whatever that was does not mean you're releasing them from the consequences. It doesn't mean that they may not have to talk to the police. It doesn't mean that they may not have to go on trial. It doesn't mean that they might not end up in jail. It doesn't mean that. That's not forgiveness. But here's the big thing. Another theologian helped me understand this this year. Forgiveness. Uh, no, let me go back. Justice. We want justice. God wants justice. Justice. If I take this person and allow justice to take its course in their life, but I have not forgiven them for that, then justice becomes revenge. But if I've forgiven that person for that, and justice takes its course on this earth, then justice becomes justice, not revenge. That's important. So that's my side note. Even if we don't see the consequences, there are always consequences. That's another reason God says you've got to forgive them. The consequences are in His hands. And His timing. So we have all of these IOUs written out for that person. This offense, this offense, this offense. Whatever we've been carrying around. And then with each offense, with each IOU, with each thing we've written out, we want to pick up one at a time and say this, out of obedience to God, I'm choosing to forgive this person for this fact of what happened to me, what they did to me. But here's an important next steps. We take one offense at a time. And the next thing that Jim Cress has his, the folks he works with do, is he has them take a red cloth, uh, or they color it red, or a red sticky note, and he has them take a red sticky note and place it on top of that offense, and he has them say this with each one. Whatever my feelings won't allow me to forgive at this moment, I'm trusting the blood of Jesus to cover it. And they place the note back down on the floor. One by one, one by one, until finally they look at the floor and it's not covered with the hurt. It's not covered with the bitterness. It's not covered with the offense, with the debt that was owed. But it, you suddenly look and you see visually it is covered every bit of it, with the blood of Jesus. Every hurt, every pain, every injury, every illness, every embarrassment, no longer is that what is staring back at you, but now it is a sea of red, all covered by the blood of Jesus. That is forgiving the fact. The fact is now forgiven. But at some point, you're going to be driving down the road, or you're going to be at a restaurant, or at a dinner party, or you're going to be doing something. It could be anytime, anywhere, any place, And something is going to remind you 
of that hurt again and is going to trigger that hurt again. And that bitterness is going to rush back into your life. And that impact is going to rush back into your life. Each time that happens, you have to stop. And in your heart and in your mind, you have to acknowledge that debt was forgiven. I forgave the fact of that debt. And what I'm dealing with now is the impact. And maybe for the hundredth time, you pause and you say in that moment, in your heart, I've got to deal with this impact again. And once again, in your heart and in your mind, you imagine, here's the hurt. And you say, out of obedience to God, I'm choosing to forgive this person for what they did to me. And imagine you place that red piece of paper on top. And in your heart you say, and whatever my feelings won't allow, I'm trusting the blood of Jesus will cover it right now. Now listen, healing is not an instant. In this world, this process of forgiveness, healing is a process. And forgiveness is going to slowly leak into your life decision by decision, moment by moment, as you continually, slowly allow forgiveness to do that as you participate with God in this process. Ask forgiveness as this forgiveness we're trying to offer, as it leaks out of our lives and into our lives. We talked about last week how it flows to us from God and through us. And as we allow that to slowly leak into our lives and slowly leak out of our lives flowing through us, healing follows. Let's pray. Father, I ask, I ask that you would forgive me with the same standard that I have used to forgive others. And God, that's a dangerous prayer. But God, I can only ask that today. because of what I have learned through this series. And I can only ask you to forgive me the way I forgive others today because of how you have convicted me in my life of the IOUs that I have been carrying around for years. And Jesus, you have begun to give me freedom. Finally. Freedom. Finally. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.